Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So today is a fun day that many of you might not know is a thing, but uh, it's been talked about around on social media and on the air a little bit today. Today was the release of the Madden 20 player ratings. And I've got thoughts on those. The Bills were, uh, I don't want to say disrespected, but they certainly uh, they were not kind to the Bills on offense um, with the ratings in Madden. So uh, we'll go over that a little bit, see what, the, what they thought of it, because they go through a very comprehensive system of how they get to this. They actually have scouts. EA Sports has scouts that they send two games that are standing on the sidelines. I noticed them last year for the first time, and they've been doing it for a few years. So they're uh, they're working hard at those, but you know, there's there I got I got some problems with a couple of them. We'll get to that tonight. Doug Farrar on with One Bills Live earlier today. Great interview. They're gonna play back. He's got a new book out, and also on the uh, the 18 game proposal with the 16 game player limit. He had some thoughts on that, so we'll get to that throughout the night as well. And Real quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on hockey tonight. There's not really much happening. But Dylan Cousins today signs his entry-level deal. That's not a big news item. that Everyone expected that to happen. But I would just want to say maybe keep an eye on him being one of those guys that could play nine games at the beginning of the season. Now, given what I saw from him at development camp, I wouldn't expect that he's just going to show up and win a roster spot. But it could be one of those situations, kind of like right after they drafted Sam Reinhart way back when, when he was 18 years old. He got the nine games, and even though he really wasn't ready to do it, you put him on a third or fourth line, just see what he's capable of, and uh, you give him a little taste of the NHL before sending him back to junior. So the thumb injury is in there for Cousins as well. Keep an eye on that. But I'm thinking about he might be a guy that gets gets a few games at the beginning of the season and then goes back to juniors. 803-0550 is the phone number. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Um, I got a poll up on Twitter. If you want to vote on that, go ahead at Sneaky Joe WGR. It's related to the Madden ratings. I won't tell you what the options are yet because it would give away some of what I'm going to talk about. Because really, I'm a I'm a big Madden player. I, at least I used to be. Every year, I don't really have enough time to be gaming all the time. But I, you know, I take turns year by year. So like last year was a Madden year. Um, this year it's probably going to be a, a probably an NHL year. The next year maybe FIFA. I don't really have enough time to buy all three and get enough out of them to play them all enough. So I kind of take turns. And last year for me that was Madden, and I played with the Bills a lot, like most people would around here. Play with the Bills a lot. Josh Allen. The, the Madden quarterback, Josh Allen. It is kind of similar to what he is in real life. But what, what he was last year, on the field and in the game, was a player that had some really sick highs and some really low lows. Now, think about what he did on the field last year. What's the best play you think of? For most people, it's going to be that throw he gets off in the nick of time before he gets drilled by a bunch of Jaguars that are closing in around him. And in the midst of that pressure, he launches a cannon 50 yards downfield on the money to Robert Foster, who takes it to the house. We think of that play. And how fun was that play? Who didn't think, all right, we found our quarterback after that pass? Then, you know, there's other passes. There is... The one against Green Bay at the end of the first half in that game where he is rolling to his right and he throws it across his body up into the end zone. There isn't a bill in sight and it is the easiest interception you have ever seen for the Packers. Or a similar play against the Jets later in the season where he's rolling to his right, he kind of throws it across his body and it's one of the easiest interceptions you'll ever see. Well, to be fair, Madden got him pretty much on the on the noggin last year. He was... Super fun to play with. 
I mean, fast, could run away from any defensive lineman, almost any linebacker, on the run. You can just hit a, hit a button. Hey, Robert Foster's open down the field. You hit the button, and it gets there. It gets there. But there's also some of those uh, lesser plays like you see in real life. He stands in the pocket. He drops back to pass. Someone's going over the middle wide open. You hit the button for that player, and it goes 10,000 feet over his head. It's, he just sails it over his head. That happens too, so the game gets that as well. So there's a lot of inconsistencies with Allen that was present with him the last time Madden had a roster update, which was last year in last year's game. So today they released the ratings for the new one. And starting with the quarterback, I kind of want to go position by position here and see like how, how well did they get the Bills? Did they give the Bills the respect that they deserve? Because, you know, they're not a great offense. I would argue they're still below average. But I think they're certainly better than they were last year. And i got to be honest, looking at where they have them rated, they kind of have them about where they were last season. And to me, there should be some improvement somewhere along the line. Starting with Allen. They have him at 74. This is a scale out of 100. They have Josh Allen as a 74. And that is pretty much exactly where he was last year. So they don't have him taking any step forward. And they do have that in places. Like Lamar Jackson, they have a little bit higher. 77, I think. But other guys, you know, Darnold is down with Allen. But, I don't know. My own ratings, which I will do here, I would put Allen at a 77. He played really well at the end of last season. He showed that his legs are a real threat that other defenses have to account for uh, in the league. So, to me, you have to take... that into account, and the arm. I mean, this is video games. This is, think think of the term video game moves. Like, people say that. And this guy kind of has that to it. He's a player that you would like to play with in a video game. In Madden. So, I would put him at 77 on that alone with the physical tools. I think he's going to take a step forward. I don't know how big a step forward it's going to be. But I would have Josh Allen at 77 instead of 74. The other two players he has down on there, Matt Barkley, 64. Tyree Jackson, 64. Fine with both. The funniest thing ever is that. Tyree Jackson, they have as a 64 overall in the new game. Daniel Jones, who is the sixth overall pick by the New York Giants, is a 63. They have the Bills undrafted... UB product at quarterback ranked higher than the quarterback that went sixth overall. Daniel Jones was drafted higher than Josh Allen was. Amazing. So I'm fine with those other two. Madden has the Bills running backs, I think, almost right. They have LaShawn McCoy, however, as an 82. Which, if you're still trying to figure out like if that's good, I would say anything in the in the low 80s is good. High 80s, very good. You're amazing if you're in the 90s somewhere. 70s, you know, 75 is about average. 75 is about average. Maybe even a little higher than that. They have McCoy at 82. I'd have him at 79. I don't think he's an 82 anymore. I don't think he's quite as good as everyone's giving him some credit for. Um, the Bills especially. I think he's fine. I think he can probably give you some some nice plays this season for sure. He'll give you some production. He is still capable to me of being a starting running back. The problem is, I've got three other guys that I think might be able to be capable of that same thing. That's always been my holdup with McCoy. So I would still drop him a little bit at 79. I have Frank Gore at an 80. They have him at an 81. I would have Frank Gore as an 80. Take him down just a, a very small step. But, you know, at the same time, I do think he might be better than McCoy at this point in time. The reason for thinking that is, the last time we saw them both, and they were both playing behind bad offensive lines, Gore was way better. Way better. It's not even the Ivory conversation. You can bring up from last year, oh, Ivory was better than LaShawn McCoy. But even when you say that, it was barely. I've said it. He was, but very slightly. Gore was way better. Gore had one of the best seasons of his career last season behind a bad offensive line. So I have reason to think that he is slightly better than McCoy at this stage, and I think that's probably going to be 
if I had to guess right now, a near even split between those two. But I, I'd say Gore is a little bit better. And maybe his style will work better with this offensive line, given I don't think they're going to be great. I think they'll be better, but I don't think they're going to be great. TJ Yeldon, they have it at 77. Might as well leave that. I think that's fine. Devin Singletary, they have it at 72. Fine. He's a rookie. You don't know what you're going to get. Rookies are... Although running back, rookies generally give you a little bit more. Singletary, they do have, is one of the highest Bills rookies. So, uh, fine with that. Wide receiver. They they gave Cole Beasley some love. Let me tell you that. They gave... Cole, Cole Beasley was the third highest ranked player on the Bills. Tied with Jerry Hughes. They have Cole Beasley at an 83 out of 100. Significantly, I would say, higher than the other Bills receivers. And to me, that's my holdup. I think he's good, but how much better is he than these other Bills receivers? I don't think there's going to be a major difference there in uh, in production. So it'll be a different type of production, but I don't think it's going to be a huge difference in the, in the quantity of it. So they have Beasley at 83. I'm putting him at an 80. I still think he's above average for his role, but I don't think the Bills just landed some superstar slot receiver. I don't think they just got Wes Welker. He's, I think, going to be good to very good. But it would be hard for me to see anything better than that. So I got him in an 80. John Brown, they have it at 79. I'll keep that there. Again, a good player, not a great player. It's kind of the theme of the Bills offseason, I would say, this year. They added a lot of good players that you can't really say, hey, they're great. Brown at 79. Robert Foster, to me, was the biggest, biggest slap in the face that Madden gave to the Bills this year. To start, remember, these changed throughout the year. They had Foster down at a 72. Way lower than Beasley. A good amount lower than John Brown. A good amount lower than Zay Jones. I think everyone around here is very high on Robert Foster. And I think he's kind of going under the radar nationally. And this is yet another example of that. Who was the guy two weeks ago? Kean Fahey, formerly of ESPN, was saying, Oh, Robert Foster could be uh, the odd man out that gets cut and some of this team should pick him up. He's not getting cut. The dude was a stud last season. He is not getting cut. And that 72 rating to me is a, is just a symbol of what he might be thought of league-wide right now. And I think he's going to be the guy that maybe surprises everyone the most uh, of this Bills offense. I have him at a 78. One spot lower than John Brown. One overall point lower than John Brown. But I think he's good. I think he's very good, and I think unlike almost everyone else on the Bills offense, except probably Josh Allen and Devin Singletary, his sky's the, sky's the limit for this kid. Um, and that's mostly to do with what his physical attributes are, but it is partially to what he did at the end of last season. So I got Foster at 78. Zay Jones, I took back a little bit. They have him at a 78. I think that's maybe a product of a very easy... It's very easy for me to get caught up in, oh, look at Zay Jones last year. Look at all the targets. Well, he almost had 60 catches, 7 touchdowns. Like, the stats look nice. And if you looked at the Bills offense last year and watched them game in and game out, you probably noticed Zay Jones over the course of the season, not at the end, you would have noticed Foster, but over the course of the season, you would have noticed Zay Jones more than any other guy. I don't really think that's necessarily a reason to believe that Zay Jones is some great wide receiver. I think maybe that was just, hey, he looks good because Calvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes are the other two on the field. What do you expect? So I have him knocked down a little bit at a 75. I think he's the fourth best receiver on this team. And honestly, I think it might be close between him and Isaiah McKenzie. I do have McKenzie a little bit lower at 73, but I have Jones at 75. Fine. To me, though, I would argue that if Jones doesn't have a good training camp, you just call it a day. You see, maybe you can trade him. If not, you blew a second-round pick. Not the worst thing in the world. It's bad, but I don't see a good, a great player in there. And I liked a lot of things out of Isaiah McKenzie last offseason. So right now, I wouldn't really advocate that they do that. But I'm starting to think about um, maybe a future where if you're settled with Beasley, Brown, Foster as your top three, that I might stylistically rather have Isaiah McKenzie than Zay Jones if it came down to one of the two. Which it, it might not even anyway, but it might. Tight end. They gave the Bills a lot of credit at tight end. A lot. Of, Tyler Croft at 78, they have him. Lee Smith, they have at 75. 
Jason Kroom, 73. Dawson Knox, 68. Tommy Sweeney, 67. I, I'm going to knock a couple of those guys back a bit. Croft at 76. I think he's a good, he's, he's an okay player. I don't even want to call him good. I think he's okay. We'll see what he looks like over the course of a full season as a starter. But there was a reason that he was the third most productive tight end for the Bengals when healthy. He was third. There's a reason he's the one the Bengals didn't choose to keep over C.J. Uzuma or the very often injured Tyler Eifert. I think he's fine. He reminds me a lot of Scott Chandler as a player, except maybe he's a little bit better of a blocker. But there's not a big ceiling there in my mind. Bring him back down a little bit. 76. Lee Smith at a 75 is outrageous. I mean, I, I mentioned this with Allen. Allen's a fun player to play with in a video game. Is there anybody that you can think of that would be less fun to play with in Madden than Lee Smith? You know, he's fine. He does his job. He's probably one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. But I think he's caught, he's never caught over 10 passes in, or he's never caught over 10 receptions in a year. I think that's right. I've got a bet on him this year with Mike Shope that he'll catch under five. I mean, just a non-factor in the receiving game. And to me, that doesn't warrant being anything higher than a 68. So I have Lee Smith dropped way down. It's my biggest change from what Madden released today on the Bills. I have uh, Lee Smith at a 68 instead of a 75. Jason Kroom, 73. Fine, leave it there. Um, I'm okay with that. I don't really have much of an opinion on Jason Kroom. I think he's just kind of a guy. Like a decent pass catcher, like that's his style, but I'm not expecting him to light the world on fire anytime soon. Dawson Knox, I, I'm up in a little bit. They had him at 68, Tommy Sweeney at 67. I think you gotta respect that Dawson Knox was picked four rounds before Tommy Sweeney. Like we'll see when we get to camp what the big differences are there. But I have to think there's a reason Dawson Knox went four rounds before Tommy Sweeney. Third round pick versus seventh. And he's got the physical attributes. He's got the speed, especially. So I'm bumping him up a little bit just to kind of put a little bit of a gap there between him and Sweeney. Because, again, the draft status, I think, does have to matter at some point, uh, at least early on here. So I got Dawson Knox at a 70, Sweeney to 67. I don't want to do too much with the linemen here, um, but there was one big problem I had with what the linemen ratings were. Deion Dawkins, 77, fine, fair. I might put him a little higher, but okay. Ty and Seke at a 71. Now, from what I've read about him, and I think what we're hearing from about him, look at who is talking about him, by the way. It's all the smart guys. It is pro football focus. It is the film analysis guys. It's the analytics evaluators. All the smart guys are in love with Ty and Seke. And they have him at a 71, which, you know, that type of rating I think is either reserved for a rookie, or a journeyman backup. And I guess you could describe Ty Inseke as that, but I would think after reading all of that stuff about him and given what he put on tape on the field for Washington, that that there should be something more to him than just a journeyman backup. And the Bills paid him. They gave him guaranteed money. So I think you should expect he's going to start, and I think he's going to be better than that 71 that Madden thinks he is. I got him at 75. Not a huge jump, but a, a, a jump. Nonetheless, and maybe even, I almost wanted to put him higher than that. The other guys, they have Cody Ford, 68. He's a rookie. Not much you're going to do there. Inside offensive lineman. One notable, I would say. I'm not going to change anything here. Maybe Wyatt Teller I would put lower. He's at a 70. I didn't like Wyatt Teller last year, to be honest. He was a rookie, so you never know. But they have him at a 70. I'd probably put him like a 68. Not a big difference, but Mitch Morse at an 81 is noteworthy. So Mitch Morse they have in an 81. That is 11th among centers in the league. I would wonder what fans would think of this. Would you take Mitch Morse being the 11th best center in football? Because as it stands today, that would most likely be the best offensive lineman on the Bills. We'll see if Deion Dawkins jumps back into the mix for that. But they paid Morse. They made him at the time the highest paid center in NFL history. I think he's got to be better than the 11th best center. Like, I don't need him to be the best. I know you're going to overpay in free agency, and I know you have to make guys the highest paid ever sometimes to come here. But 
Give me top 10 at least. Seventh? Sixth? I'm raising that a little bit. Give him an 83. I don't really know too much about how good he is other than what you read about him. Um, but I think the Bills should want more out of Mitch Morris than what Madden thinks he is, which is the 11th best center in football. I'd want him a little higher than that. Some interesting stuff I want to go over around the league before we uh, move off this topic. And by the way, you can read all my thoughts about it at WGR550.com. Quarterbacks around the league. Patrick Mahomes, the top at 97. Couple of guys that everyone's talking about being disrespected a bit. Not just Josh Allen. Because I think that's one guy. Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson as 82s. Which is like middle of the pack. In the NFL. Among these, this list they got. I don't know. I think of Carson Wentz. And I especially think of Deshaun Watson. As being two of the good young quarterbacks in the NFL. So I would have had them higher. I think those are two great quarterbacks. I think Wentz had, had trouble staying healthy. Um, and I think he's a bigger health question mark right now than Watson. is, Even though he had his injuries as well. But there's also more production there for Watson. There's more consistent production. Wentz had that one MVP-level season. The other two years, it's fair to say that he was uh, above average, slightly above average. His rookie season looks eerily like EJ Manuel's, statistically. Okay, Manuel was never going to have that second year, though. So, okay, he separated himself. Year three. Another bit of a step back. Was the injury still bothering him? Was injuries around the team and his supporting cast bothering him? I don't know. But when I look at what he was last season, 21 touchdowns, 7 picks, that's good. That's good. But some people are out here trying to compare him to Patrick Mahomes as one of the best young quarterbacks in the world. Mahomes had 50 touchdowns. 50 touchdowns. He's played 16 games in the league. Wentz has 70 and 40. So I think there is definitely a big gap there. I would agree with most people, though, that Watson and Wentz should be higher than that and uh, like lower than Baker Mayfield. Like To me, they've at least proven that they should... Eh, maybe not. I, I, may, I like Mayfield. But those were the most noteworthy guys uh, down there. If you're wondering, Nathan Peterman, I think, was the lowest player in the quarterback in the game at 50. Maybe there was like two guys lower than him, um, but there were not many. Tom Brady, 96. When are we going to live? I've never lived in a world where Tom Brady wasn't like the best quarterback in Madden. So he's still sitting there up there. And uh, that's pretty much it. Anyways, we will continue to stick with football. I want to keep talking about the skill positions because that is what is going to be on the docket for most of training camp. The most interesting thing that's going to happen at training camp. We are under two weeks away now. Ten days, I think, until the Bills open up at St. John Fisher. And... We are not, no, we shouldn't be because nothing's really happened, but we're no closer to knowing what the snap count's going to look like at receiver, what the snap count's going to look at running back, or what it's going to look at on the offensive line or tight end. It might be fair to say the only position locked down right now, the only two positions on the Bills' offense locked down right now are Josh Allen at quarterback and Mitch Morse at center. It's fair to say everything else is up in the air. 8030550 is the phone number for your thoughts on that. And uh, I have my Twitter poll on Twitter if you want to vote in it. You want to let me know what you think. It's a Madden based question. Um, what was the biggest, what was Madden's biggest rating crime against the Bills? Was it Josh Allen as a 74? Was it Robert Foster as a 72? Or on the defensive side of the ball, was it Trey White as an 85? 85 is good, but I think Trey White's not getting the credit he deserves. One of the best cornerbacks in football. And that guy should have been in the 90s. So he's at 85. That's what's leading the vote right now at 46%. So uh, if you want to call and let me know what you think on that as well, uh, feel free at 803-0550. Doug Farrar will hear from in a little bit um, on his new book and also the 18-game schedule proposal of the NFL's late in front of the NFLPA. Also, more running back drama around the league. Elliott now is going to hold out, huh? That might be a thing. We got Melvin Gordon last week. We might have Ezekiel Elliott this week. Um, so we'll see. 
803-0550 is the phone number. Feel free to call him. We'll get you in right after the break. It's Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on W. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. GR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to talk to me here on WGR, if you want to talk. Just looking up at the TV, I'm seeing there's Highly Questionable, Dan Lebatar. They're talking about Melvin Gordon. He's been the most talked about player in the league probably for the past five days. That might be starting to change. The position won't, though. So running back, this is this is becoming a trend now with running backs, I guess. The Le'Veon Bell maybe started. Um, now we've got Melvin Gordon doing it where the holdout comes, and it's tough for a running back to really succeed doing that. A receiver happens all the time. Julio Jones gets his contract right away, right? Um, or is he, they're, they're working on that. They said they're going to give him a new one. They've yet to. But he's probably going to get a new contract. Quarterbacks, you, you don't risk that at all. Quarterback threatens the holdout. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, anybody. You pay the man right away. Running back, eh. Do you have to do it? Even if he's great, do you have to do it? And to me, Gordon and Elliott are very different in this respect. They're two different, they're two extremely different situations. They're similar in that they're both running backs. Yes. They're similar in that they're both seeking big money. Yes. The big difference is. The Chargers' offense without Melvin Gordon, in my mind, would not skip a beat. He's good. Don't get me wrong. He is good. But look at his career. His numbers have mostly come because of the volume that he gets. And to me, volume runners don't really exist that much more in the NFL. For one, their bodies get beat down. They don't last as long by their high 20s, they're out of the league. Two, when the efficiency isn't there, like it is not with Melvin Gordon, last year was his only season in his four-year career that he has averaged above four yards per carry. That number is important. Four yards per carry is the baseline for an average running back in the league. And he didn't crack that three of four years. So yes, last year he was actually very good. 5.1 yards per carry, big yardage, almost got to 1,000 yards in, in not even a full season. Lots of touchdowns, very good around the goal line. Kind of emerged more as a pass catcher. Became more of a complete back. Yes, he put it all out there last year and proved that he was the good running back that everyone was talking about before, even though he really hadn't been until last season. But what happens if he reverts back to what he was in three or four years instead of just last season? Because that could happen. Remember C.J. Spiller right here in our own neck of the woods? High draft pick just like Melvin Gordon. What C.J. Spiller do the first couple years of his career? Not much. He was a returner in his rookie year. He didn't really do a lot in the next couple. Then, unless I added one too many years in there, but he hits that one season where he just explodes and we're all yelling at Chan Gailey to give him the ball more. But it was Fred's turn. We all remember that, right? It was Fred's turn. And Spiller was amazing that season. His efficiency was off the charts. He was hitting big home run runs all the time. He was great in the passing game. He was great all around. Then what happened? He went back to what he was in the early part of his career. He was a you know a change of pace back, which is really what he was for the majority of his career, except for that one year. I'd be afraid that the Chargers might be, if they pay him, I'd be afraid if I'm a Charger fan, if there are any out there, because we know, you know, they, they can't really even fill their 20,000 seat stadium with any of their own fans. So if there are any Charger fans out there, um, they should definitely be worried that this, that they're going to pay him. Because that would be 
to me, the ultimate worst-case scenario for this situation for L.A. He is not that great. I'm not just saying that because of what the yards per carry is, even though that's the most important stat when it comes to running backs. But it's the volume he's had. It's how much gas he has left in the tank. It's the style of runner he was to begin with. He's not the most elusive guy in the world. He's not a guy that was ever going to be like a returner because of how elusive he was. Like he was a three down back, very balanced. There's no problem with that. But I don't see him lasting a whole lot longer in the NFL playing the style he does and playing at the efficiency he does unless, unless... He has just become has really hit the hit the mark where he's so good that the first three years of his career, like that that's not him anymore. But that's hard for me to believe. Running backs generally are what they are right away. Alvin Kamara, look at him in New Orleans. Star. There wasn't no growing pains there, but there was with Gordon. So I'm not ready to pay him. The reason that's different between him and Elliot, Elliot is a stud. Elliot is a flat out star. And yes, ideally. You should never want to pay running backs. Like the Chargers right now, if I were them, I would trade him as fast as I could. Find any sort of value for him. Part of that is me also thinking you would get something for him. Like I wouldn't dump him for a six-round pick. I'm not saying just get him off your roster. But I would have to think there's a team out there. Tampa keeps coming back to me as a team that's going to get a running back because they have nothing there that would pay even a second-round pick or maybe a late first. If they could know like where they were going to be. Or a second and a third. Like I think you could get something really respectable back from Melvin Gordon. I think his reputation is still high around the league. Even though even if it wouldn't be with me. That's part of it. And that's an offense with the Chargers, as I mentioned before, that I don't think they'll skip a beat. Phillip Rivers is what drives is what drives the bus there. That offense com- that offense succeeds and fails with Phillip Rivers. The Cowboys are a different story. The Cowboys built their team for their best player to be a running back. They invested heavily. They've invested more in the offensive line in the last five years than any team has. Their quarterback is, he reminds me, I think he's better than Alex Smith, don't get me wrong, but Dak Prescott is kind of that floor general to me. Like, he's a guy that, I don't think I'm ever wanting him to throw the ball more than 40 times. He's not Rodgers in that way. He's not Mahomes in that way. He's not Brady. I know I'm Breeze. Like, those are the great quarterbacks of the league. I know you can't expect everyone to be that good, but I don't think Dak is that level. I don't think Dak's a guy you can spread the ball out, spread the receivers out, and expect him to throw for 300 yards a game and win. I just don't think that's him. So everything there, offense, offensive line, quarterback, all of it, is set up for Ezekiel to be the best player on that team. And he is. He is great. He is one of the best running backs in football. I, In my personal opinion, he's second. I think David Johnson is the best running back in football. He's the most complete running back in football. And I think I'd have to put Elliott right there second. That might be the only situation where I would say, okay, pay him. And it's mostly because of how they set it up. I wouldn't have wanted my team to set it up the way the Cowboys did, but they did it. And now here they are. They can't not afford to not have Ezekiel Elliott. They need him. They definitely need him a whole lot more than the Chargers need Melvin Gordon. So to me, Elliott should be the one that gets paid and Gordon should be the one that gets traded. And wow, do I hope the Bills do not are not the team that's looking for that. Because it's not even the price. I think you could probably get him for a fair price. Mike Shope earlier in the afternoon show posed, what was it, Zay Jones and like a third round pick? I think that's fair. For Melvin Gordon. Absolutely. That might sound crazy, given what, like, Melvin Gordon fantasy drafts is a first-round pick every single day of the week, whereas Zay Jones is, like, maybe undrafted, depending on what kind of league you're in. So, it's a big star player running back versus a, a guy that struggled mightily throughout his career receiver. But that's kind of a fair price. I still wouldn't do it, because I have to pay Melvin Gordon. And I never want to have to pay a running back. And I hope the Bills are never in a spot where they have to pay a running back. You have to pay somebody at some point, but to me that should always be reserved for the quarterback, the receiver, and the left tackle. Those are the first three things that I need to pay. And until I have those three things locked down, I'm not paying anybody. That would be softly my standpoint. I said softly because, you know, if you get the next Rob Gronkowski at tight end, you're signing him. But... 
Those, to me, are the three most important positions on offense. Running back's not one of them. 803 is the phone number. What do you think that should happen there with the running backs? If you got any final thoughts on the Madden ratings, go ahead. And uh, we'll get into uh, Doug Farrar in the second hour uh, as well. Plus, plus, all you uh, listeners out there that have heard me enough know that I'm a big boxing fan and there is a big fight uh, in the weekend. I'll get to that way late in the show. Uh, so stay tuned for that if you're a fight fan. So the nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Bleacher Report's Tyler Dunn, always a great listen on the Colts there. You can find that on demand at WGR550.com. I cannot help but agree with that. I think the Colts are going to be, I think, one of three teams. Ah, four? I kind of like a lot of teams in the AFC this year. I think I'd have to go Colts in my top four, though, in the AFC, um, in some order with the Chiefs, Patriots, and Colts. Or the Chiefs, Patriots, and Chargers. Um, that's why I think it's so tough for the Bills to make the playoffs this year. It's just, I, I feel like you've already got five spots locked in. Someone's going to win the AFC North. I think you're getting two out of the West, which is Chargers-Chiefs. I just think that's an inevitability. The Chargers are just so good. So are the Chiefs. I can't see one of them missing. And the Patriots are going to win the East. I have the Colts winning the South, but someone's got to win the South anyway. And you're left battling with like eight teams for one spot. I saw, so Mike Clay of ESPN has been on the station a lot. He's on uh, Daily Wager, which is a show on ESPN News. It kind of looks at over-unders. And the line on the Bills to make the playoffs, yes, is plus 440. Bet 100 to win 440 for the Bills to make the playoffs. They've improved. Like, there's reason to be optimistic, but the numbers, to me, just don't work out in their favor at all. And they'll they'll have to get really lucky along with some major improvement if you're going to make the playoffs this year. And let's say for a second that that's not going to happen. This is looking way down the road, a lot of hypotheticals, a lot of ifs here. But let's just say they don't make it, because it will be incredibly difficult for that to happen. But they do improve. And maybe they go 8-8, eight 9-7. Eight, like They have a respectable season that you can say, all right, here we go. Allen's good, and we didn't make it this year, but the conference was incredibly difficult. Here it is. Go time. Now we're talking about McDermott and Bean going into their fourth season. And they made the playoffs in year one, and that would be two non-playoff years after that. To me, that's when the pressure finally lands on them. Like, big time. This year, I would say there's some pressure, but I don't think it's to make the playoffs. And like, when was the last time with this team that it was truly playoffs or bust? I would have to say it's probably Rex's last season. But I feel like we're not at playoffs or bust enough. We go through the same cycle with these coaches and these GMs. It's year one, all right, we just need to, we're tearing it down, you know, we're getting our own guys in here, that's year one. Year two is, all right, we're building it back up, we're hoping we have the quarterback in place, you can't expect anything yet, anything big. Year three is, oh shit, we'd love to make the playoffs, but as long as we're in it, we're okay. As long as we're contending for the playoffs, then we're okay. Then year four, if there is a year four comes along, and it's all right, now we have to make the playoffs or we need to make a change. And I feel like I don't need the we need to make a change part of this, but I don't feel like we're at we need to make the playoffs this year enough. I don't feel that. And maybe this would be a year to do that with the Bills. What don't they have in place that is theirs, that's their plan? They kind of got it all now. Even last year, the defense was great, but you couldn't really get on them too much because they had to build back the offense up, and they hadn't been able to do it yet. So you had to give him a bit of a break, plus it was a rookie quarterback. But right now, you know, quarterback in his second year, a lot of veteran running backs. It seems they have running back the way they want it. They seem to have the receivers the way they planned it out. They will see what the offensive line does, but they did their stuff there. Their plan has been executed in offensive line. Tight end, drafted your guy, got your free agent. Defense was already set. So like, what on this team right now would you say they still have to work on? I feel like it's not a finished product, of course. They'll never tell you it is. But when they showed up here, McDermott and Bean, was that two and a half years ago now? 
they were building for this moment. They were building for this point in time. This would have been the year, I think, I think even in an honest moment, they would have told you they did not think they were making the playoffs year one. They just did not think they had the roster for that. It was still mostly Rex's players that made the playoffs that year. In an honest moment, I think they would have told you they didn't think that was going to happen, and that year three would have been the year that they were targeting to really hit their stride. That is this season. And because they made the playoffs year one, the timeline has kind of been altered a little bit. But to me, it feels like the attitude around the team is, I don't need playoffs, and this is just a complete educated guess on this, and also kind of grouping everyone together, that, hey, I don't need playoffs this season, but if you give me a winning record and you're in it right until the end, then I'm okay. And at some point, I do hope that we're going to get to a a spot where that is going to be such a foreign concept to us, that, hey, just not making the playoffs, but being in the conversation to the end to the end is good enough. It's not yet, and it shouldn't be, but I really hope we get to a point where that is just such a foreign concept that we laugh at it. Like the Patriots right now. What would New England fans think of what think about it that way? What would a New England fan think of you if you're out there thinking how it would take nine and seven and just missing if Allen's good and not making it? They're they're laughing at you for that. But that's where we are. I mean, that's where we are. It's just kind of natural, and you can't really fight it. I mean, what are you, you going to do? They missed they miss the playoffs 18 of 19 years. It's kind of that's kind of the reality we live in, so I'm not blaming anyone for it. I just hope we get to a point where that idea is just squashed forever. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's take one call before we get to the break. We get to hour number two. Uh, let's go to Brendan and Clarence. Brendan, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, Joe. How you doing? Thanks Good. for the call. Sure. So I was just thinking about um, like strength of schedule and like how we have a really easy schedule this year compared to I don't know, it's been like five. Even the year we went to the playoffs, I think we played both Super Bowl teams, which was what Atlanta and New England. We played. I think we played like three or four other um, playoff teams that year, and we still made the playoffs. Now I think this team's a lot better than that team, but. I, I think we got a little better than a 50-50 chance of making the playoffs this year, at least on paper. So, I, I don't know. I just... Brendan, thanks for the call, man. I would not say it's 50-50. Be careful driving, by the way, if you're talking on your phone. I uh, hope you're not doing that. Um, but it's definitely not over 50-50. The schedule part of it is a major part, and I should have mentioned that, because that's true. Like They don't have to be as good as the Steelers or the Ravens. Or the Browns, whoever you have, whoever you're battling with that doesn't win the AFC North, you don't have to be better than the Broncos. You should be though. I, I think the Broncos stink. I, I don't think you have to be better than the Texans or the Titans. You probably have to be better than a group of those, but you can be worse than a few of them and still make it. You're right, based on what your schedule is. That is a part of it. So yes. Because I mean, I, I keep coming back to it. Look at the quarterbacks they play this year. I don't think I've ever seen a schedule with an easier quarterback matchup. Casey forgot. Darnold, second year. Giants, I don't care who it is. Not, I'd rather have my guy. Bengals, Dalton, whatever. There's the Patriots. All right, Brady. Titans with Mariota. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I'm one of the biggest Mariota critics maybe there is. I don't think he's good at all. I think he is just Alex. He is not. Dak Prescott, I compared to Alex Smith earlier this hour. Mariota is Alex Smith, but he can't stay healthy. Dolphins, not scared about who's playing there. The Eagles with Wentz, who knows with his injuries if we'd be playing there, but that would be one of the better quarterbacks you play. The Redskins don't have anybody set up. Haskins will be a rookie or it's Case Keenum. Then there's the Browns, Mayfield again, that's like one of the better quarterbacks you play. Dolphins again, whatever. Broncos, I don't even know, am I getting Flacco or Drew Locke? 
Prescott, I told you before, I'm not really scared of Prescott. I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think he's elite in any way. The Ravens with Lamar Jackson, I think I have just as much reason to believe my guy is as good as him. And then the Steelers with Roethlisberger, like that's the la- them and the Patriots. So end, end, that end stretch there where you go Lamar Jackson, Roethlisberger, Brady, Darnold. It's probably your toughest stretch. That's right at the end. Who knows? I might be 9-2 and two by then. That's probably way too high, but you know you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, thanks for the call, because that's that's a good point. I should have brought up the schedule. 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation. We'll t- continue to take your calls uh, after the break, and we'll get to Doug Farrar as well in hour number two. So nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. You know, every time I hear that open, it just reminds me that I'm rooting so hard for Linus Olmark to be a great goaltender just because I love listening to him talk. I'm kind of picking that up, you know, given my job. I mean, I think I'm hearing, probably, I'm probably hearing these guys speak more than anybody around. So, if you're interesting, I kind of root for them. I kind of root for them a little bit more. Tim Murray was always that for me, even though he, we all know, was a pretty bad general manager looking back. Um, Allmark is just oh, so funny to listen to all the time, most of the time. So, uh... Here's to hoping he becomes a great goalie, not just for that, but because the Sabres kind of need one. 803 is the phone number. We wrapped last hour talking about the schedule and the pick playoff picture in the AFC. I just don't think there's a lot of opportunity for the Bills to make it. It could happen, but I think in reality, there's very it's very likely there's only going to be one playoff spot available to them. That's a very tough way to start the season. That That's assuming, I guess, that the Chargers and the Chiefs would make the playoffs, and I would be surprised if one of them didn't. So if they do, and you're handing New England the AFC East, maybe that would be more likely. I don't know. Maybe that would be. I wonder... That should be a poll. I should have done that instead of my Madden question. Although, getting a lot of response on my uh, Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR for for my Madden question. Uh, What was the biggest rating crime against the Bills? Josh Allen at 74. Trey White... At 85, he definitely should have been higher than that. One of the best corners in football. Or Robert Foster way down at 72. I didn't put a fourth option in there, and Bradley Gelber just mentioned this. A couple other people have. Matt Milano at 77. I wish I could go back if, you know, Twitter had an edit button. But I wish I could go back and put that in there because that's another one that a lot of people have mentioned. But uh, but anyways, where was I? I wonder what's more likely. Maybe... Maybe it would be more likely for the Bills to beat out New England than to beat out six playoff contenders for one spot. Right? It might be. Like, what's more likely? The Bills being better than the Patriots or the Bills being better than the Steelers, Ravens, uh, Texans, Titans, Jaguars, Broncos, Raiders, Jets. All of them. They got to be better than all of them. To make it. Or the Patriots. It might be the Patriots. 803-0550 is the phone number. That's just the playoff picture part of it. Not even the record. Let's go to Mike in Buffalo. Mike, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Hey, good. How are you guys? Thank you for taking my call. Good. Uh, no problem. I want to say, you know, I deal with the football, you know, summertime. All sports are done. Um, hopefully, Josh Allen will not run the ball as much to get injured. You know, like he wants to run. He's a big guy. I know we have him. You know, hopefully our offensive line, defensive line that we, you know, the trades we got, I'm happy about that. But New England and this Judy, uh, the new rules, like the new rules, like if New England wins or goes to the playoffs again, I mean, is the NFL watching them and the referees are making back calls? Or, I mean, because we can't deal with that. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, thanks for the call, man. Um, yeah, let's go to – let's keep rolling here. Go to John in Buffalo. John, you're on the nightcap. How's it going? Good. My question for you is I just heard your statement about Mr. Tim Murray being a bad general manager, as we know. Okay. Where would the Sab- where would the Sabres have finished this year? How many more wins with Ryan O'Reilly, Evander Kane, and Robin Leonard on this team? A lot more. Okay, so okay. Is it Murray's fault they stunk so bad? No, no. Well, it was Murray's fault that he never fixed the defense. Yes, 100%. No, no. You said the defense, but I said, is it Tim Murray's fault that those three guys... No, no, of course not. He he did a great job with the forwards, and he did a good job, I would say, with the goaltending. But his lack 
of awareness for what was going to happen with the blue line is what cost him his job, is what cost them season after season of being bad. He never addressed what their biggest issue was. Just because he found other good players doesn't mean he was a good GM. you got to put the whole thing together. He never did it. So, like, I don't disagree with you. Kane, I liked. O'Reilly, they should have never traded. Leonard was so underrated during his time here in Buffalo. And I always fought to defend that. And it's not a surprise to me he had the season he did. Those guys were not my issues. But you needed to do more. You needed to do a lot more. His biggest move on the blue line was a second-round pick for Josh Georges. I mean, that was embarrassing. I don't need to get too much into that. Tim Murray rant. By the way, quick note on that while I'm on it. That's why I like Jason Bottrell's offseason. He's fixing the blue line. And we haven't had anyone even try that in a long time. Like, really try that. You've had the spare parts. The Felino for Scandella types of trades. Or the third for Bullyu. Or signing Cody Franzen. You know, sending a second round pick on Brendan Gooley and hoping he's going to save everything. No, no, like, Bottrell really is putting some assets into it now. So, anyways. Back to football, though. I want to stick with football. Uh, the playoff picture in the AFC. How about the 18-game schedule proposal that the NFL put in front of the NFLPA? And will that happen? For that and more, Doug Farrar from USA Today joined John Murphy and Steve Tasker earlier today. Murph back from vacation. And uh, Doug Farrar is always a good listen. Here he is with the guys. Tyler Dunn again from Bleacher Report. Good stuff from him on demand at WGR550.com. Having a bit of an issue with our app right now, so you can check it out on our website. Even if you want to do it on your mobile phone, go to WGR550.com. You can pull it up right there, even on your mobile device. I got a poll up on a, a better poll, I think. I like my one from earlier, the Madden ratings. I had fun doing that. I'm a big Madden player. I was last season. I'm not really sure how much I'm going to do this year on it, but we'll see. Um, but the other one. Me, I am penciling in the Chiefs and Chargers to make the playoffs. I think it will be a big shock if one of them does not do it, given what those rosters are and uh, given the success that they had last year. Uh, They're making it to me. If that happens, which is a likely scenario, the Bills have two paths to make the playoffs. you got two choices. You beat out New England for the division, or you beat out the other ten teams that you'll be fighting for with a wild card spot. You have to be better than every single one of them to get a wild card spot. One available wild card spot. That's how I'm going into the season. You know what? And to be honest, I might be in a position to think that the division's more likely. Maybe part of that is just me being so sick of the division not being a part of the conversation. I mean, I have been, I've spent a lifetime of Bills fandom not knowing what a division race feels like, looks like, smells like, anything. I have no idea. It doesn't happen. We never talk about the division for good reason, you know? Because every time it comes up, you look like an idiot. Because you're like, oh, we could be, eh, this is the year, this is the year Brady falls. Oh, the Bills are, you know. In a playoff race in New England, oh, they're faltering a little bit. There's cracks in the dynasty, and then they beat you by 30. Every time you pick against New England, you look like an idiot. So we're all gun-shy. I get it. But if I were going to try to make an argument to you that the division is more likely, how would I do it? Well, one, I would just look at the simple math of it. you got to be better than 10 teams for the wild card. you got to be better than one for the wild card. I'm not really factoring in the Jets or Dolphins. I mean, that's who, if you're being better than New England, you're winning the division, right? It's insane to think they might finish second, let alone third. So you got to be better than one team to win the division in reality. And for the wild card, you really got to be better than 10. Not all those teams are good, and that's a fair point. Um, you really only have to worry about like maybe five. I think you'd have to worry about Pittsburgh, and this is just assuming the favorites would win the division, which also is an assumption. But that would be Cleveland, Indy, um, New England, and Kansas City. You'd have to beat out Pittsburgh, who's good, Baltimore, Houston is always in the playoffs, uh, the Jets, who I think are neck and neck with you, Jacksonville I like this year with Foles, Tennessee is always hanging around, they're like 7-7 seven and seven usually, but you know, they're at least there. 
That's like five, six teams you got to be better than that are like a real threat. Not worried about Denver or Oakland or Miami. Or you got to be better than New England. How would I make the argument? How would I even begin to try to do it that it's going to be better than New England? Well, one, I think you'd have to look at what Brady's numbers are with and without Rob Gronkowski. That's a big key to this. And you'd have to really hope that this is just one too many chinks in the armor. I think this is a completely different sport, so it might be tough to do this. But think about the Blackhawks. Everyone does have their expiration date. The Blackhawks, for how long, got credit for, hell, look at the Blackhawks. Guys come in, they play well, and they go somewhere else, and they let them go. And they keep rolling. They keep being good. You want to know why? Because they kept the right core pieces together. That was always the point that was made about the Chicago Blackhawks. They let Bufflin go. They let Ladd go. They let Shaw go. They let Panarin go. Although that was probably the one. So up until Panarin, it all worked. They let all these guys go, and it worked. Then they let Panarin go. One too many. One chink too many in the armor. And what happened when they let Panarin go? They collapsed. Utter collapse. Two years ago, they were one of the worst teams in hockey. Last year, not even a threat to make the playoffs. And now, you know what? They're just hovering around being a pretty bad team, trying to cling to whatever they have left that they could squeeze out of their once great core. And for years and years and years, you would have thought to yourself, all right, you know what? They're just going to let these guys go. Like Panarin, when they traded Panarin, everyone probably said, they're going to let Panarin go. They're just going to bring in some six-round pick, and he's going to suffice. He's going to be great. And it was one too many. At some point, that will happen for New England. I know it seems like it will never, ever, ever happen, but it will. Probably not this year, but maybe. Maybe Gronk is the final straw. Because there will be there will be one that breaks the camel's back. And maybe this would be the one that does it. Because you look at Brady's numbers with and without Rob Gronkowski. He is still a very good quarterback. I'm not here to say that that's not the case without Gronkowski. But he is elite with Gronkowski on the field. Without, he hasn't been. He's still been great, but not elite. Not unbeatable. And I'm just praying, I'm praying that Gronk maybe hid some of that Brady age that we've been waiting to see. Maybe he hid some of it. That makes sense, right? It's the, he's the greatest tight end in history of the NFL. It would make sense that he could help further along a guy's career. That happens. Odell Beckham did it for Eli Manning. Eli was done. His career was over. He was a bad quarterback. He led the league in interceptions, and I don't think that interception number it was like 27. That's a number you just don't see in the league anymore. Odell Beckham shows up. And you know what? Eli's right back to being average. And he added four or five years left to his career. Was Eli actually better? Or did he just get a generational weapon that helped further his career? Extend his career? And I'm hoping so much that that's going to be the case here with New England. Because the numbers don't add up for me on the wild card. And I might think that their easiest path might just be... Find a way to be better than New England. Some way, somehow, find a way to do it. Because if you don't, then you've got to be better than 10 teams. And you have to be better than all 10 of them. Not 9, not 8, all 10. Or you're not making the playoffs. 803 is the phone number. Last call in the nightcap after this year in WGR. Last call on the nightcap. Some house cleaning to do before we get out of here. Update the polls. What was Madden's biggest rating crime against the Bills? Your choices were Josh Allen, 74 overall. Robert Foster, 72 overall. Trey White, 85 overall. 48% say Trey White at 85. That was the leader. I agree. Should have been. I mean, he's a top five corner in the league. He should have been in the 90s. Absolutely. Uh, second was Josh Allen at 35%, Robert Foster at 17 The other poll, if I'm penciling in Chiefs and Chargers for the playoffs, which is very likely, if that happens, the Bills have two routes to the playoffs, which would be more likely, beating out New England or beating out the other 10 AFC teams for a wildcard spot. 67% say 
beat out the other 10 teams for the wild card. People just don't want to go near New England. I get it. It's fine. I might, I might, I'm going to tip my, I'm going to put my toes in the water. I'm going to feel around. I'm going to see if I, uh, if I, if the water's okay. The other thing that I wanted to mention before I get out of here was just looking at ADP for uh, fantasy, which I do almost every day, uh, being the fantasy football nerd that I am. And John Brown's going as the highest Bills receiver right now. I think 56th among receivers. The other three Bills receivers, Robert Foster, Zay Jones, and Cole Beasley, are all going back to back to back. 76, 77, 78. And it goes Jones, Foster, Beasley. All in a row. So if that's not a sign that not only everyone around here, all the Bills fans, we don't really know, nor should we, but we don't really know what receiver is going to look like. That's evidence right there that nobody elsewhere has a clue what's going to happen either. Or they don't even think. Well, actually, you know what? That's not true. They think John Brown's going to be the number one. He's going higher. So they must. That's it for me tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch the whole show on demand at WGR550.com. I didn't mention that Pacquiao uh, Thurman fight that's going to happen, but we got time throughout the week. The big boxing fan that I am. I'll get to it. Thanks for listening. ESPN Radio after this here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.